G'day! Welcome to On Minis Games. G'day and welcome to On Minis Games, a podcast all about miniature games. My name's Giles Pritchard. And I'm Quinton Sun. In this episode, we're going to talk about a tournament that we uh, that we recently ran and played. Yeah, uh, just this weekend gone, actually. We, uh, well, you ran and, and <laughs> I played. Ran in inverted commas. I well, you ran it. A you, lot. I, I did answered a, bit a couple of, of questions. You did most of the organising. You were the T.O. officially, so that, that's fair enough. You, I got to wear the T.O. hat. You did wear to wear the T.O. hat, which <laughs> meant you were ineligible to win. Yeah. Which was which, such a shame. That was uh, that was why I did so badly yeah. in all the games it was. that I played. It I was. That has to be noted on record. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we get to talk about the tournament, let's, though, let's just stop a little bit and we'll go back and do a quick hobby update about some of the other things that we've been doing and then let's jump into talking about the tournament. So uh, we were talking before about some of the things that we've been doing in the hobby. Yep. A lot of it has been in relation to the tournament. One it of those, has. particularly for you, in terms of painting. It has. Um, I think since the last uh, hobby update, where uh, we did mention that I was doing a little bit of painting for the tournament, mm-hmm. we sort of kept it a secret. Now that it's all over and done, we can say I was painting. <laughs> playing the black wolf. It's out. <laughs> playing a very fl- painting a very friendly and loving black wolf fleet. Yeah, yeah. loving in the in the sense that uh, anthrax is loving. Yeah, yeah. We like to share all our high explosive shells <laughs> with everybody. Fairly, fairly. Um, no. So, yes, yeah, so I was painting that uh, up quite madly up until the night before, mm. um, trying to get everything done, which I did successfully, thank God. Yep. So, I managed to field a fully painted fleet, um, which was very nice, and we'll put some photos up, and there's some photos up on my blog yeah, as yeah. well, which we'll is... We'll put some photos up of actually of all yeah. the painted fleet, fleets and some of the we photos in the yes. games, yeah. There were some very nice painted fleets there. So, yeah, that was been mostly what I've been doing. Um, yeah. The other thing we've received finally in the mail. <laughs> a couple. Of, it seems only an episode or two ago. It we does. were talking about sword and spear and six mil miniatures and fifteen mil miniatures, yeah. and lo and behold, a box arrives. A box and- the other day. <laughs> Very excitedly, like a little kid in a candy store waiting oh at the God. front door. Oh, thank you, postman. It's The postman gets very disturbed when I give him <laughs> a hug and a kiss and say thank you very much. No, I don't do that. <laughs> so they arrived, um, much to my excitement, a mm-hmm. lovely box from uh, Forged in Battle, mm-hmm. a UK company, I think it is, who do uh, 15 millimeter ancient sculpts as well as some 15 millimeter World War II sculpts. Mm. And so uh, my Romans arrived and Giles's Gallic yeah. forces arrived. And I think we can both say that we're very impressed with the models. Oh, the models. I, to be honest, I haven't got them out and poured over the bits yet. Um, that uh, for later on. Yes. <laughs> but... Yeah, oh, the, 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 from what I've looked at, from what I have seen, the sculpts are phenomenal. The face, the detail in a 15mm yeah. miniature in terms of the face, the um, the detail in the clothing, yep. weaponry, the, the the amount of flashing and stuff like that on the model is really minimal. It is. Um, you know, they, they look just very, very nice models. They're, based on based on what I've seen, yeah. uh, they're, they're phenomenal. They're very clean. Um, the one thing that really surprised me is the lack of miscasts. Mm. Um how sharp they are. It, it's almost as if every... And this could be because I've had a glance at the packets and I've only really opened one mm. of them. So I'm sure I'll find one or two here and there. Nothing's perfect. But 
the ones that we've looked at, the vast majority, seem to be all very clean casts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's as if they're using a clean mold every single time, yeah. and they're checking their molds very regularly for any kind of um, damage to them, which makes just so much nicer. They're, they're fantastic sculpts. Oh, they look, um, they, look, they look wonderful. They're the kind of sculpts that you go, if they went and scaled them up to 28 mil, they'd, they'd actually look really good. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So... Very um, impressed. There's a lot of them, so there are. Um, we're waiting for bases to arrive, but we won't. We'll paint them first before we put them on the bases. Yeah, being a game like that where you're putting mass infantry yeah, on, yeah. onto a base, you need to get them it's done before you, yeah, yeah, before you rank them up. So, there will be one. There'll I'm, be an update on that. Yeah, really excited to get yep. those. They look, they look really sharp. Um, the other thing was from just yesterday yeah. the tournament. We both you went for the full luxurious hardcover. And every single Baby other seal, book. Uh, leather-covered um, deluxe edition of Kings of War. Yes. Um, as well as the campaign Ringo. books. the And the extra army book, the Uncharted Empires. Uncharted Empires, Empires yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, you also got the historical rule set as well. Yes. Uh, reason being we can use our 15mm Gauls yeah. and Romans In playing Kings of War. Playing Kings of War. So I think that's uh, both of our attempt to go back to our roots of Warhammer gaming. Yeah, um, mass battle. So. Yeah, and the regimental infantry manoeuvre and movement. And, um, so we picked up those rules finally. Um, so hopefully we'll get some miniatures assembled. Um, my undead are half assembled and Giles is looking at something in the near future. I yeah, think. well, I was looking at the forces of nature. I like the yeah. dinosaur warriors and I like the there's sort of centaurs and yep. these sort of Aquaman things, yeah. and um, I was looking at. I really like the models, especially of the the salamanders and things yep. like that. Um, my son, I know, would just love those. Yeah. But you know, I was looking at those, and I was like, oh, I quite like dwarves. Yeah. And then Aaron's got dwarves. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I can't get dwarves. Can't have two dwarf armies. That's just obscene. So King, you know, uh, Empires of Men. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I'll probably Something end up going them. with with forces of nature. But well, you, could, you could get those. Mm. And then when you're sick of them, <laughs> pass them on to your son, going, oh, right, son, yeah. I played with these oh, when right. I was younger. Yeah, no, Ish. this is this sounds like the, the, the responsible thing to do it does. for the family. It does. Right. I'm going to have to sell that to my wife like that. <laughs> well, I think that's good. And then you can get something else. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, I've still got to play. Well, you do. And you've got to play against him to teach him exactly. so that it's when fair. Exactly. two armies. Yes, you do. It's two different natural. armies because yeah. it's boring if you play the same army against each exactly. other. Exactly. And it's all about bonding, family yes. connected. Yeah. Right, I'm sold. Well, <laughs> I'm clear. I'm on the I'm on the store right now. I think we've already established it doesn't take much for us to be sold on something. No, no. unfortunately. No. Um, so, yeah, so that's really our hobby update. Yeah. Planning DW, getting our sword and spear minis, which yep. um, which look phenomenal, and um, getting the Kings of Raw rule sets. So yep. hopefully we'll get some miniatures for those in the near future. Yeah. Um, so the DW tournament, we've yep. talked about it. We've run it for three years now. Um, our local club, the Shep Mini Gamers, put on this tournament, yep. annual Dystopian Wars tournament. It's pretty much the only really Dystopian Wars tournament in Australia, I think. There might yeah, be one or two I, others. I, I don't know. Um, I'd hate to um, miss Say out that. on you. Yeah, and, and, and someone and miss, else. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. There That's, probably are others at stores yeah. and things like that around the place. Well, but. there's there's the Bendigo, the um, Bendigo Associated, what's their, Badger. They're called Badger. Yeah, B-O-D-G-A. I can, yeah, I can never. Bendigo, Bendigo and District, District Gamers, Gamers Association. Association. They hold a little convention every year, which is uh, two days, and they hold a tournament as well. Mm. Um, but ours is the 
longer one. It runs over two days, yeah. five games. Um, and I don't know of any other ones that run over two days. It's Well, we, we sort of went with we wanted to have um, – and the reason we, when we talk about structure, hmm. the reason it runs over two days is because we wanted the tournament to be five games yep. to prevent that you know, shock loss, shock win from yep. throwing or skewing the tournament results. So, you know, with three games, it's easy for a, a one bad game to yeah. really influence the leaderboard. Um, so with five games, it sort of evens the players yeah. out over, does. over the course. So, But Dystopian Wars being Dystopian Wars, one game, you're going to push hard to get it into two hours, yeah. which is really what we allotted the time for. Yep. So, and really we're finding that the games are probably running two and a half Ish, I think, I think, yeah, depending on who's playing. Obviously, it depends on who's playing. And Um, the fleets that are taken. Some are long range and like to sit back and and plink away, whereas others rush up and are more aggressive, so. I think we've found over the three years people take more, are taking more and more efficient fleets. If they know they can't play quickly or Mm. they, they take longer in their decisions, they're playing fleets that have fewer activations. Um, so fewer squadrons, um, and a more point. You know, I'm, this is I'm all about yeah, the this particular thing. Yeah. And, yeah, so that they can get their games done quickly. Because I think one, of the, I think any people who play tournaments know that one of the worst things is to not finish the game. It yeah. can really make it a problem. Um, so yeah, the the structure for the past three years has been over two days, three games on the first day, uh, two games on the second day. Two hours for each game. And then half an hour overflow. Half time an hour, yeah, yeah, of overflow, which generally gives people time to finish the turn they're in. And then at that point, if they haven't won, someone's won, it becomes a draw. Yeah. And then after the first game, usually we get everyone to array their yeah. fleets in a room. We yep. go and have a look at them. Everybody votes uh, for best, be, be, best painted. Yep. That award's handed out. Um, and to be um, in contention for best painted, the fleet must be wholly painted. Yes, must be fully painted, including the SAW yep. um, and the trays, if you've got them. So the idea, and to be painted, it has to be at least three colours. At least three colours, yeah. Um, I think the, the idea that when we came out with that ruling was that I, I find it a bit frustrating when people will bring a few models. Yeah, or undercoated. They, they or might, bring one or two spectacular yeah. models and yep. everything else is still resin. Yep, and, yeah. and then people go, oh, they're fantastically painted. They're a good mm. painter, but they haven't really gone to the time and effort of painting their whole fleet. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, personally, a fully painted full fleet looks much better than one or two fantastically, you know, painted models. So, yeah, and we do that on the the first day. On the first day, sorry. Mainly to stop people judging someone who's going to win. So if someone has the best painted fleet and they're the best player, they should win both prizes. Yeah. That's only fair. And that's why we had it so early in the tournament was because we didn't want people to go, well, it's obvious at this point in the tournament they're going to place, so I won't vote for them. Yeah. You know, we want want best painted to be best painted, not not for that politics to play a role in it so much. Yep. So is there anything else to comment on in regards to the structure of the event? Just trying to think. Um, No, uh, also in terms of the... The prize pool, there's the best sports person, yeah. which is voted for obviously at the end of the tournament, yeah. at the end of the second, in, in the fifth the fifth game, and that's just based off the people you played and the way normal votes like that work. And then with the structure, I suppose the the it comes down to how the games are played and the scoring in terms of the tournament points. Mm. We both agree there are other tournaments overseas that run it's scenario based. Yeah. You know, you have to roll up and capture an objective. Capture or, an island or yeah. usually around, you know, um, getting across the board, capturing an objective yep. of some sort, blah, blah, blah. Or protecting a piece, of, a ship or something like yeah. that. We discussed it when we first brought in, broached the idea of having the tournament. Mm. Giles plays Covenant of Antarctica, which is a long-range fleet predominantly. It was, yeah. Um, at the time, I played British, which were predominantly long-range fleet. Well, they, they tend to be. They sit back mm. a bit. 
and then going close later on. And we both sort of decided that, and not because we played long range fleets, because I play mm. Chinese as well, and they're close in yeah, boarding flamers, Australians, Australians sure. as well. Yeah. If you put an objective in the middle of the board and tell people to charge at it and board it, you're immediately disadvantaged your fleet that doesn't want to get close. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, is that you've got a varied set of fleets, each with yep. its own strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. You don't want to be asking a fleet that's uh, like the Italians, let's yeah. say, um, that, are, that are a little bit fragile and don't want to get in close like that yep. to be to be forced to get in close yep. in order to win the, the game and get points for the tournament. Yep. So we felt that really the best structure in terms of um, running those games is really yeah. to go with the the fleet orders, which yep. are normal, which are the normal um, rules for winning and losing the game. That seems to be the most balanced, it you does. know, to us at least, the most balanced yeah. approach in terms of making sure that every fleet has got that opportunity to yep. uh, to mix it with the rest. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, that way, you can still play your fleet style. You're not forced to 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 put your fleet out of its comfort zone. Yep. You can still play to its strengths. Yep. And you've you've got as good a chance of winning. You can as, play how uh, you want. Your opponent. Yeah. Exactly. Which I think is the key part is that you. I don't want to force people to do something they don't want to do. Now, other people would argue differently and go, yep. "Oh, wars like that, that and scenarios mean that you know it means nothing if you lose half your fleet or all your mm-hmm. fleet, but you still achieve your objective." True, but you're still forcing people to play a certain way. Yeah, that's to right. To charge in and do they they may not want to play that way. And so. I still and, and my argument would be that some of those scenarios, however well balanced the scenarios are, there yeah. are going to be some fleets that are better able to achieve it than others. Yep. You know, like if it's a there's an island in the middle and we want to board it, you know, there's something like the Prussians or the the Indians are going to be yeah. um, you know, able to achieve that to a greater extent yep. than something like the, the Covenant. Or, yep. Although the Covenant one of the Covenant fleets we had at the tournament was all about boarding. Oh, it was it scarily was and it did it yeah. did very well. It, it did, did reasonably well. Um so, you know, it 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 just yeah, there, there are certainly fleet especially the Alliance nations yep. that are that are a little less multi dimensional. Yep. Um, you know, they've got yeah, anyway. So we went with that, we went with the yeah. standard orders rather than with scenarios. And we've found over the three years that that's worked really well. I think it has. Um and that again has to do with our local meta. Mm. And the the obviously between us, it's Shepard and Bendigo who are the predominant players in this. Other people in other areas overseas may find that their meta prefers Yeah scenarios and that's fine it's just the way that we've gone and it works pretty well we've ended up with um good spreads in terms of varying fleets taking first second and third positions and even throughout the the ladder that we end up with they end up spread throughout yeah yeah so yeah so that 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 was the decision there and then in terms of you know we talked about um keeping track of you know the 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 progress of players and things like that you found um, a website, warscores.net. Yeah. Uh, they run a little Java, little Java, yeah, Java program. program. It's fantastic. It's It takes a little bit to get used to, mm-hmm. um, to figure out how to work. Um, once you get it down, it's it's free, which is a big bonus. Yeah, brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah. But once you figure it out, it's really handy. It does all the matching for you. So you basically enter all the details of your people. Then you uh, go into the the round section and mm. basically click you know match and then you specify to the program how you want people how to match want them matched, yeah. either on you know where they come from what fleet they're playing how many tournament points they're up to which is yep. what we do um if you want to do a swiss system of so matching we did in the first round we did it based on location to mix predominantly, up yeah. to predominantly to mix up the player base so that players yeah. from one area were playing and players from yep. areas that they hadn't necessarily played before and the hope that just i think for that sake as well because a tournament isn't just about playing and and and, um, and getting your models on the table and, and thumping your no. opponent. You know, when you do something like this, it's also about the community around the yeah. game. 
you know, we're we're, we're we've got a, a, a solid local club. We do. You know, we get together every every Monday. Um, we often catch up outside of club yep. hours and things like that. Down in Bendigo, they're the same. Yep. Um, we have reasonably close contact with the Bendigo club, but it's nice to be able. We don't often get to, to game against them, yeah. so it's nice to mix that up. And then the, the first round is really the opportunity to do that. Generally, it's I think the last three years, all, all, all the years we've run it, we've done it that way. Mm-hmm. Generally, the first round is basically you play someone you haven't played yep. on a regular basis, which predominantly is generally someone from Shepherd and playing someone mm-hmm. from Bendigo. Yeah, that. I think works well. And then once the first round is over, um, we just go to a Swiss system um, where the people who have the highest tournament point scores will play each other and you can't play the same person twice. So yeah. it just – and the program will match based on a Swiss system. So if you tell it to match based on tourna- overall tournament points, it will just do it for you. Yeah. Click the button, done. Um, and the thing I like about it too is that it means that someone can't come back to me and go – why did you impair me with this person? I go, well, actually, the program... Talk the to the computer. <laughs> Talk to the computer. Java, it it. why did you do this thing? <laughs> and then it starts talking back and everyone yeah. freaks out. Oh, my goodness. The um, but So, we had two scoring metrics. We had we tournament points. Yes. Which was the primary way that the... Um, the the players were matched. Yes. And the tournament was won. Yes. Then we have the second scoring metric, which was on points... Uh, the, the points that you gain from the battle. So yes. in Dystopian Wars, you score points for the models that you destroy. Yes. Uh, you score extra points for your prize models and various yep. other bits and pieces. Um, so that that point score was also then a secondary metric, but it only came into play if the first were tied. Yep. So um, that was our countback method, was the was how much you accrued off your opponents. Mm. And as a third backup in the incredibly unlikely highly unlikely chance it would be the amount of points that you gave up yeah but given the varying nature of the number of uh we call them victory points that you would accrue from how much you killed of your opponent's fleet Mm. how varied it can be the chances of two people having the same number of tournament points and And the same number of victory points is statistically nearly improbable so yeah um, so yeah, with the tournament points, there was there's in Dystopian Wars there's uh, two levels of victory, yeah, a, a crushing victory and a narrow victory. Yes, there's yeah. the draw, and then there's a, a crushing defeat and a narrow defeat. Yeah, or crushing loss and a narrow loss. Yeah, um, and then we scored the, them based on a zero was a crushing defeat, the two was a, a narrow defeat, four was a draw, and then. Six, Six was a narrow victory and eight, eight was a crushing victory. Yeah. And most games we've found really are resolved with a crushing victory or yeah, a, you know, a crushing defeat. Yeah. So we were thinking that we might look at changing that scoring yeah. system for next, next year. year. Uh, we'll talk about that maybe yeah, a little later, a bit later on. Though. But that was the scoring system that we used. Yep. There were extra points available. If you could get half, we decided in the tournament if you could get half your objective. objective uh, so most of the objectives are things like kill 70% of their fleet, yep. and that's in points. Or, so it's, we're playing 1,000-point fleet, so if you can score 700 points in objectives, and yep. um, then you win the game. Um, and then the other ones are generally uh, kill 50% of, the, of their fleet in victory points. Plus. Plus their commoners model or all the small, all all the small, small models, models or, or all, all their medium. medium. Yep. So we decided that the to, to because of the way generally it's either a crushing defeat or a crushing loss, and the fact that the crushing loss is no victory points, and we wanted to try and give people something to play for, we decided that um, we would give... If you achieved half your objective, yeah. um, you would get one tournament point. So that would be either... If you had one of the cards that said kill 50%, 50% or plus, all smalls. 
if you killed all the smalls, you, you get would a get a tournament, tournament point. point. If you got 50%, but you didn't kill all the smalls... You'd still get a tournament point. Yeah, so... I think worked well. People yeah. felt that they had something to play for. Yep. Um, even if they were getting absolutely hammered, you know, bad luck. They still got something to strive for yeah. in the game. Yep. You know, you're getting hammered, but there, there's every chance. You still got something to go for in the game. Yep. And, it, um, and I think that that's important. Well, I know? think uh, third and fourth came down to one victory point, yeah. one tournament point. So it, it, that one tournament point can make a big difference. Mm. Um, so I think it's. It's nice to have something to try for. In the first um, tournament, I think we had two optional objectives. Yeah, one was kill the... Commodore. You get an extra point for killing the Commodore. And the other one was um, you get an extra point for, for doubling, doubling your opponent. Yeah, your opponent's victory points. So and, we- the, and the problem with that, as we discussed, is it's the, yeah. it's the issue of the rich get richer. Yep. That player that t- absolutely tables the opponent yep. doesn't just score the maximum amount of points you can score under the scoring system, but yep. also gets bonus points as well. Yes, well done. Um, you know, it's... Um, Not only know, do you beat your opponent, you beat them Really, yeah. really, really, really well. Not only do you get the fur cloak, you also get the golden crown to wear also. Well done. Uh, um, so there is the other side that people argue that, oh, it gives them something to play for. The problem mm. is it, it was not a... What, eight points isn't enough for you? Yeah, well, What's wrong? Well, uh, the problem with it was it, it wasn't a, object, a bonus objective that was specific to the person who was losing. Yeah. It... Whereas the one with the 50% of the objective, it is very specific to it the person who's It keeps them in winning. the game. Yeah. yeah. That's right. So, we had that in. I think people didn't mind it. They yeah. gave them something to play for. So but To be honest, I think that you could bump that up even to, to two, two points without significantly affecting the placing at the, oh, top of of the, at the top of the chart. But potentially, maybe third to, to sixth in that bracket there, I think. But yeah, I thought that was that was a really good change, to be yeah. honest, and it's something that we can look at for, for yeah. next time. So it was a scoring system. So what about the games? You took a Black Wolf Fleet. I did. It was variously described as vicious and bastardly. Well, anyone who and, and this has come up before. Anyone who knows me, I'm 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 very competitive, and I, I don't hide that. I really enjoy the competitive side of wargaming. Yeah. I enjoy the challenge of it. You enjoy making lists that that in in the biz, yep. everyone would describe as complete cheese. Yes. You, you, um, you take, there's a, a certain level of thrill that you get out of making a I, list that is... There that is, is utter cheese. <laughs> that utter is cheese. undefeatable. You put the models down and people go... <laughs> the, funny, the funny thing I find is is that um, one of the reasons why I play Dystopian Wars is at the moment it's one of the most balanced games I've ever come across. Yeah. Okay. I don't play 40K because it is... There's a, and lot, this, there's and a lot of reasons this I don't is play is, yeah, well, There are. <laughs> but this is, I think, is acknowledged in the community comp system of tournaments for 40K. Mm. It is so unbalanced, they've had to bring in a separate system for tournaments to try and balance the game. Yeah. Because otherwise people just take the most powerful model they can, which is ridiculously overpowered, and... They've won the tournament. Yeah, That's well, it. what was that? The <laughs> anecdote anyway, aside. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Dystopian Wars, I find, is incredibly balanced. The thing is, I think what I do often with fleets is I play them in a way that they're not originally designed to be played. Yeah. And most people will never consider playing them in that way. Yeah. Um, so, I will, and I will put combinations together that most people would think were crap. Yeah. But somehow... They just synergize They well. synergize well. And, and it's also exploitative of, of particular rules, like yes. you know, having a completely submerged fleet. Yes. Um, which makes it very difficult for a percentage of the fleet you're going to face to actually deal with you. Yes. Um, or, you know, whatever, you know, in, yeah. in the case of the Black Wolf, using the dilation fields, yep. but using them very aggressively rather yeah. than defensively, which is what most people would do. Well, I think the, the key with... Um, and I will post up a report on my blog, so mm. if you're really, really interested in a bit more in depth... I'll and what was the blog called? 
called again? The blog was called um, Room Full of Resin. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah I know. I really want that. Yeah, because it is actually a room full of <laughs> resin, which is really disturbing. But yeah, go on. Um, so, the Black Wolf are a very aggressive fleet. They're yep. very close range. Generally, most people just rush them as fast as they can at their enemy to get close so they can use these really, really big, powerful guns. Mm. I didn't do that. I sat it right at the back of the board for the first turn or two of the game and waited for my opponent to come to me. Yep. Um, and that, I think, ate through a lot of people. Um, we have another Black Wolf player at our club who, that's all he generally plays, he's yeah. a Black Wolf, and he just charges. Yeah. There's, there's no uh, subtlety. Well, uh, that would be well recognised as, as pretty much the optimum strategy for the Black Wolf. Yep. So I sat at the back of the board. I had They, they have submarines. that the, the submarines are pretty much the only thing with long range. Mm. I sat at the back of the board, used the submarines to shoot a few things, do a bit of damage here and there, and then I would wait until my opponent came to the position where I wanted them. Hmm. And at that point was when I'd, come, I'd search forward. So I waited. And generally what would happen with most people I played is they'd send one or two squadrons that little bit too far forward. Yeah. Just out of range of the support of the rest of their fleet. Mm. And you just move forward and rip them apart. Yeah. Because I could focus my fire, target one squadron, just destroy completely. Yeah. And by that point, and the, the thing is too, with tournaments and any competition, you, you're playing with your opponent's head, mm. destroying a, fl- a, a squadron, like literally destroying it in a turn. Mm is really demoralizing. Yeah. Um, I think I played one guy who played British, poor Joel, who caught me in the last... <laughs> last. Yeah. Joel's, Joel's fantastic. He's a really good guy. Um, he is he's a nice guy. Lovely. He's played guy. maybe 10 games since he started mm. Dystopian Wars, so he's fairly new to it. Um, and he just... By and luck, in a short space of time. He hasn't yeah. been playing for years. He's no. been playing for about a month. Yeah. Oh, we'll give him two months. Two but, months, yeah. But still, and he's he's a good player. Yeah. Um, and he wrote his own list, and it was a good list. Yeah. But he had this cruiser f- squadron that was nearly half his points. Mm. It was a very, very powerful cruiser squadron. He moved it too close, mm. and I ripped it apart in a turn. Mm. Um, literally, just went from fully, full, full strength, no damage to one cruiser with one hull point left. So, and that was what happened with most of the yeah. games: is that someone moved just that little bit too far, too far, and then you just when it was timed right. And I think a lot of the game is like that. Yeah, but I think people generally, I, I think I find our, our meta in our in our area, in, is our a group, lot, yeah. in our group, is a lot more ruthless. Well, it, ruthless. It, well, um, it's a product too. We, you and I both, have worked for Spartan. We have. in the past. You know, for 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 what three, four yeah. years since yeah. since really. I mean, I was in the playtest team for Dystopian Wars two point zero. I did yeah. a lot of work with Dystopian. We both did a lot of work with Dystopian Wars over the last two or three years. Yeah. Um, including playtesting and balancing and designing and writing stat lines and things yeah. like that. And so. Because of that too, we try and we play to break things. I and that's I think one of the things that I I enjoy breaking things. Mm. I enjoy finding out that. And often you would come to me and go, yeah. oh, "I've got this really cool idea with." My, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I about this that line? Yeah, yeah, what about this? And I go, "Yeah, but what if you do this, 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 and this?" And you go, "Oh, yeah, hang on, let's." We, we yeah. can't do that because that becomes so overpowered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's often synergies with other models yeah. you don't necessarily recognise. Um, but um, you know, I think because of that too, we have that to, you know. Yeah, a, a tendency to try and to to think about constructing the most destructive. It's time to yeah. Like, well, as we said a bit earlier, that in the short time frame, the fleets have become fewer activations mm. and more hard hitting. And um, one of the, a few of the guys from Bendigo made the mention of we just don't see fleets like this yeah. normally when we go play elsewhere or over in Bendigo. Yeah. And I think it's a product of a the guys up here have played in three tournaments. Yeah. Um, they're used to the short time. We frame. play. It's a it's a game that hits the table regularly. It does. It's a very regular. Th- I think yeah. it's when we when we go in, it, it's at least there every second week without fail. At least, yeah. 
um, if not every week, at least on one of the tables. So mm. they and we and because we don't want in our game because we only have a short period of time in the evenings, we try to smash them out pretty quickly. Yeah. People generally do, and they will be you know hard hitting fleets. Yeah, battle cruisers get featured a lot by guys or, or cruiser large, squadrons. Larger than massive. Yeah, yeah. larger than massive because they're the most resilient. They hit the hardest. Yeah. And they're the hardest to take out. Yeah. So no, but it was so so the mix of fleets was really interesting it was, this year. Yeah. You had the you had the Black Sun. I Black Wolf. was a T uh, the Black Wolf. Sorry, I was um, the TO. I wasn't going to play originally, but we had a couple of people that had to yeah. drop out for the last minute for various reasons. Yeah, unfortunately. So I took my Australian fleet from yep. last year, and we had the Russian Coalition. We yep. had Republic of France. Yep. We had two Covenant fleets. Yep. We had Chinese Federation. Uh, we had the Indian Raj. Yep. Uh, Empire of the Blazing Sun. Empire of the Blazing Sun. Kingdom sorry, of Nick. Britannia. Kingdom of Britannia. Sorry, Joel. Uh, that's about it, I think. Yeah, that's everything. But it so it was a really interesting mix. There were yep. some alliance nations, some core nations. Yeah. It was a it, it was a lot of fun. It was really yeah. nice to have that opportunity to play against um, you know a range of different opponents. Yeah. You know, I certainly had a good time playing against the people that I played against. Yeah. I did appallingly, um, <laughs> which I'm going to say was completely deliberate. It was because you, know, you can't have win. the, the yeah. TO who's no, filling no, in to take, take a place. Exactly that's terrible. It, that was what it was all about. Terrible. Um, but yeah, so. It it was yeah it was a lot of fun it yeah. was really good and you know great uh, we should also mention that the, the tournament was sponsored by yeah, Sepnex War Games it was um, it's a fantastic local retailer yeah. and uh, Gus who who runs it is mm. always fantastic with his prize support yeah um, he's because we don't have a store in Shepparton um, he's over in, in Bendigo if anyone wants a friendly local gaming store over in Bendigo yeah Gus is very friendly yep. and if you're in Bendigo local. Um, no, great guy. Yeah. yeah, he's lovely. So um, we buy a lot of their stuff from him, and he's fantastic with support for this tournament. Yeah, um, he probably, always yeah. is. So that was really great. We got a lot of support, um, and I think we bought a whole heap of stuff anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he just sends over stuff, and we just go, "Well, we'll buy it." Yeah, sure, right. we'll yeah. buy. We've got no impulse control. So, were there any were there any really interesting games that you played over the course of the tournament? Um, you know, what are some of the well, most interesting defi- things that you saw? Def- define interesting. So, for me, oh, you're talking about tabling opponent. Well, sh- <laughs> I felt bad. I still, I, I still feel you should bad. Should know at this stage that you came in first place. I did um, um, with with no losses. Yeah. So I five straight wins, which I think on in part the Black Wolf are a very strong fleet. They are, yeah. I played them like nobody expected to. Yeah. And to be said, when I go to these tournaments, I play against three or four people I always play against. Yeah. There's, there's three or four of us who routinely rank cer- at certain points, and I always play the same people. Yeah. So, I just think part of it was no one expected me to play them like that. Yeah. Because I knew you, you knew them. Yeah. yeah. They didn't know. Uh, I think I posted up the night before that I was taking, well, the, sorry, two nights before I was taking Black Wolf. Yeah. So, they knew it was coming, and they knew the fleet list. They just didn't expect me to play like that. Yeah. So my first game was against Aaron, who I reckon Aaron's one of my ch- my most challenging opponents. Yeah, he always well, he gives came me, in second. He came in second, um, and he always gives me a hard fought game. Yeah, yeah, he's a good um, player. He's a very good player. Um, he just, I think he was still getting used to his fleet as yeah. well, and he just it just wasn't. He gave me a good fight, but in the end, it just wasn't anywhere near enough. Yeah. So unfortunately, that was I. And and to in his, in his defense, it was funny because he was the one who suggested. Get it out there! You tabled him. I tabled him. Sorry, Aaron, but you got tabled. But in the it was funny because he was the one who suggested that I prize his Commodore yeah. vessel and then prize the, the last cruiser on the table. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, you should. You do may this. as well now. May as well just prize it as well. So, um, interesting games for me. Um, 
Chris gave me a really good fight. He mm. he rolled up with a. I have I had a battleship in my in my force. He had the Indian Raj, and he had, he was playing the Indian Raj, and he rolled up with this unit of corvettes, corvettes and boarded and prized my nearly undamaged battleship. That's heartbreaking. Which was just I'm like standing there in shock, <laughs> um, like what's going on? This is the plans for your blood. No, no. So uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. That was probably the low point for me. Yeah. Um, not that it was that low. I still won the game, but it was. Like and people do that to me still. Like I, you know, you say you win the game, but still, sometimes it's close calls, and oh, yeah, you, yeah. you look at it and go, "This could go anyway." The, the funny thing is, you can end up with an eight-zero in tournament points terms, yeah. you get a crushing victory versus a crushing um, loss, but the game be down to the wire. Yeah, definitely. Know? Yeah, so. um, with a lot of damage spread around, yep. but just not a lot off the board. Yeah. And if it had gone just a turn longer, yeah, you know, no. it's always that one well, turn away. There are a few games like that. And yeah. there are a few games that were, I think, uh, Chris and Ryan. Ryan came third. Mm. Um, he was so. Playing Covenant of Antarctica. Yeah. And he, he was doing something unusual as well with yeah. the Covenant. He was, he was playing that boarding fleet where the, the Covenant have a, some models that can create teleportation yep. portals. Yep. Models, other models can move through. Yeah. And so he was doing that and then throwing ships through that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Which worked. Really well, worked very well. Yeah. Again, a, a, again, it's a it's something that nobody does. Yeah, which is what we find. I think you find is something when something quirky comes out, people just don't not aren't quite sure how to deal, deal with it. it. Yeah, so it's it was really interesting. It did very well. I think he's refining the list as we speak. He is, yeah, working on it. He's going uh, to buy the models. Now. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've got him ninety percent convinced to come over to the Bendigo tournament. Mm. Um, so yeah, he's refining that list as we speak. So we'll, we'll hopefully he goes over. But yeah, the. There were some interesting games, some good mm. matchups. It sounds like everyone had a lot of fun. Yeah, from what I heard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was. That it was, was good. Re- it was really good. Um, so all right. So uh, I guess you know some of the funny things I saw. I had I, on two occasions. I had um, a Stygium flare. So yeah, it just causes a certain amount of damage on a model in in dystopian wars. It causes a critical effect yep. um, that can range from you know just a little bit of damage and some you know part something the model can't do something yep. like turn or move very far or yep. whatever it might be. Um, you know, Stygium flare is where a model takes a lot of damage yep. and is teleported. You know, three to six inches in a random direction, facing a random direction. Yes. Oh, that happened twice early in the game, one to one of my monitors, which is a, was yep. a really hard-hitting ship, and one to one of my Tasmanians, which was a which is a, a fleet a, a submarine tender, which is also quite a quite a solid ship. And that one was more painful because the 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 ta- the, the, the Tasmanians operate as a squadron and if you break them off as a, if you yep. break them up, then they're really quite weak. Yep. And so uh, that was it. Was it was quite <laughs> funny? Isolated yeah. yeah, it was just they both. The, you see, I sent one was sent. I think sixteen inches whoosh off in a different direction, yep. and so that was quite amusing. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, look. It was a really good, um, yeah. really. Good, I think good I, game. I I had one like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was playing Ryan in my second game. Yep. Because um, Ryan won his first game. Oh yeah, really yes, thing. yep. So Ryan, um, Ryan's a math teacher, and he had this quote. It's hilarious. So, <laughs> so hang on. So he's he's the deployed. key to his fleet was his time was his Calamacus orb, which yep. is the thing that creates the portals which yep. other ships move through. Yep. Right. And this is the the strategy that he's all around. So he puts it half behind an island. Yeah. So I could get an angle on it with one of my submarines. Yeah. So I put my submarine over there. I know I'm going to have a go at it, shot at it, and it all came down to who got first, the first activation of the first turn of the game. Yeah. Which was you. Which was me. <laughs> which was highly unusual because I actually didn't win that many initiative yeah. rolls throughout the entire tournament. <laughs> so, but I got one. You got that one. So, and he, 
he goes to me after it happened. He goes, oh, you know, I put it there. I shouldn't have put it there. But in my head, I was thinking the worst it can do, you could do two criticals on it yeah. maybe and it'll take four hull points of damage. It's got seven hull points. Yeah. And then it'll hide behind the, the, the island and it'll never get shot at oh, again. Oh, well, yeah. Statistically, the math teacher in my head is telling me that is what's going to happen. Yeah. I move it my, my sub forward. I shoot. Two criticals, that's fine. First one is a damage and something, and the second one is a sturgidium flare yeah. that teleports the thing off the table. <laughs> off the table equals dead. dead. So he's standing there just looking at this thing, and afterwards, after the game, he's gone, this is what I was going through. I said, yes, but the war gamer in you should know that that was the most likely yeah. thing to happen. That's what he said. The maths teacher in me is that that's just impossible. It's war gamer so improbable, said- it's impossible. But the war gamer... Should have said, should have overridden all all logic and gone. No, that is because I think that's going to happen. That's that is exactly now the what's most likely happen. thing that's, right. that's going to happen, and it did. Um, so that, that was, was why Ryan's that was hilarious. Oh, yeah. That's why it didn't work against me because I just got rid of the orb in the first turn. <laughs> yeah, that, that's my that's my solution for killing your fleet, Ryan. Just kill the orb in the first that's turn. Right. So no, that was hilarious. So it was a really good set of games um, over the course of the weekend. Yeah. We put some photos up as well. Yep. Um, so, what are some of the things that we might change? We've already sort of hinted at some of the things that we're looking at yeah. for, for next year, um, so, tournament points. Yeah, so we'll probably, we'll do, I'll do the big thing first. So, at the mm. moment, I think the, the tournament's over two days. Mm. A lot of people find that difficult. It is hard, it yeah, is especially hard. when people are traveling. Yeah, so it's two big days, particularly the first day with three games is a really big day. It is. Traveling back and forth from Bendigo, or if we ever get someone from Melbourne, maybe we might. Yep. That'd be even further, but we haven't had anyone from Melbourne yet. Mm. Not, 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 not yet. Maybe one day. We won't mention name. Leave it alone. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know who you are. Just, uh, <laughs> sorry. Go on. Um, so uh, we were thinking of maybe taking it back to one day. Yep. Of the tournament, and then holding something on the second day. So maybe Firestorm Armada. Yeah. Ryan, if you are listening, Ooh, that yeah, might excite yeah. you. So one day. One, one game tournament, and one day, one day another yeah. tournament. We, we we're thinking about it, but yeah, we sort of talked about that last year yeah. a little bit too. But a lot of people were happy with the two days, so mm. we may put it up to a poll. Well, we put it up on a, as a poll, yeah, uh, when we were organising this tournament, yeah. and overwhelmingly it was two, two days. days. Yeah, so well, it may stay the same. So that was one of the big things um, was maybe going back to one day. In terms of the structure of the tournament, I've played in the last two. I've won the last two. And the thing I find is that there's often too much of a gap between the. The winner. the winner and and the next lot. So the thing I've found is that there's too much. There tends to be too much of a gap between the the first place and then the the rest of the field. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the fourth game, there was nobody who could beat me. Yeah, you could have you could have said I I'm I, not going to bother. Playing. I could have I'm thrown the game. Out. Yep, I had an, I had more more victory points. So I had I had tournament points. Uh, the only the only person who could match me was Aaron, and he had to get a crushing victory, and he would match me. Yeah, and then your vic- the, the, victory the, the points. Tie, the victory points. There was no way he. Could yeah, there was him. no way he could have caught me. He would have literally had to prize the entire enemy fleet mm. to get close. Yeah, so that's I think in terms of a person organising tournament, that's a problem because you don't want that massive spread where there's no chance it's, of the first place is unassailable. Yeah, you yeah. want you want things to be close. Yeah, the person. You, yeah, yeah. You're, at least that it is decided in the fifth round. But that's the. I reckon that's probably the best kind of tournament where yeah. the last round decides who wins and who who comes first. And even better if there's three or four people in the in, in the running for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes such a great round, and it, it means that people don't know, and it means that people are excited for the last round. That's right, and yeah. they're excited to find out what happened. So, one thing I was thinking that we bring we we sort of cut the tournament points in half, yeah. and give people a point for losing. 
So it will be one point for a loss and then two points for a narrow victory, three points for a draw, four points for a... Uh, sorry, three, two points for a narrow loss, mm. three points for a draw, four points for a narrow victory, and five points for a crushing victory. Yeah. Um, and then that way... And also include in the one tournament point for half achieving your half your objective. objective. So that then means if you still lose, but then you can manage to get half your objective, you're still in the same as a narrow victory yeah. almost. Um, na- yeah, narrow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, a narrow defeat. So you're sort of giving people, really giving people an incentive to play for something, mm. keeping the person who's getting borderline tabled motivated to play for something rather mm. than just standing there going, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Which I, I, I had against Joel. I got to the point in our game where mm. I didn't have my objective yet and he didn't know what, what, what to do. What do I do? i got nothing to play. I can't achieve my objective. Mm. I, you know, it's that point. And you're just going, and you, as a player playing that, and people would laugh and go, oh, but you were winning. Mm. That's not the kind of game I want to play. No. Um, and as the, as, as the organiser of the it's not the kind of game that you want to no, facilitate. No, you don't want, you don't want to be having it tournament. You want to have people who still want to play. Yeah. So... I think I'm pretty sure. Um, I think I'm TOing next year. Mm. Um, so the, uh, myself, Giles, and Aaron, we rotate through. Mm. We decided when we first run, the, we would first come up with the idea. We'd rotate through to give everyone a chance to play and TO. So I'm TOing next year. For anyone who wants to come, you don't have to face me. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll get some more people coming. No, the, um, <laughs> I think. Yeah, but I guess the other thing to consider is we've got 2.5, Dystopian Wars 2.5 on the horizon. Yep. The victory conditions in that may change, and then that may change the spread of points as well. So so. that's something else to consider for We've got some changes coming up. Yeah, Yeah. but I think the the key fact is we want to bring that that spread closer. Yeah, We want to make it a closer tournament. And by halving your victory points, the tournament points for for wins, losses, and all that, you will narrow that spread. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And it means that a shock loss or something is not quite as bad. Yeah. Um, which yeah. should be good, I think. I, I think it can only be good things. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and the thing is, you know, it's been three years now of running the tournament and we're just refining the system. I think yep. the structure works fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, we're just sort of making tweaks to try and make for uh, as fair yep. um, and as tight a competition as we can make it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been really good. No, I've, I've enjoyed playing in the last two and mm. running the first one was really good. Yeah. Hopefully it runs for a number of years to come. Yeah, absolutely. It should be good. We all seem to love the system. So, yeah. Yeah, it was it was good. It was enjoyable. It was just very tiring. I'm yes. still exhausted. Oh no, so I'm more. <laughs> uh, and on that note, given that we both are rather exhausted, yeah. um, that might wind up this episode. That's our report on the Dystopian Wars tournament yep. that we held here locally. Hopefully, anybody considering running a tournament would get yeah. some ideas out of that, or you know, whatever it might be. If you would like to contact us and let us know anything, then you can do that at onminisgamespodcast at gmail Until next time, I'm Giles Pritchard, and I'm Quinton Sun, and you've been listening to On Minis Games. You've been listening to On Minis Games. On Minis Games is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License.